Hello and welcome to my podcast, Conversations with Cornelius, where I, Cornelius Patrick O'Sullivan, discuss, chat and hypothesize on all things from fatherhood, marriage, comedy and everything else in between. From time to time, there will be special guests, but mostly it's going to be me and some regular contributors, including my main squeeze, Noelle Patricia O'Sullivan, a.k.a. The Wife. So sit back, relax and enjoy Conversations with Cornelius! Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Conversations with Cornelius. Oh, yeah, okay. Okay, ready? Three. Are we good? (coughs) Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Conversations with Cornelius. I am your host, Cornelius Patrick O'Sullivan, and uh, this is a very, very special podcast this is one I've been looking forward to this for oh Jesus about over, well over a year, well oh, since since this podcast began um, I have some ver- I have some regular listeners I often record re- um, I often talk to you in the patron um, and uh, one of the, one of the regular patrons is my uh, is my dear uncle Mike and he has flown in from Texas not especially for this podcast but for my grandmother's 90th with the lovely Deb and Tanya. And we're making the dream come true of bringing him onto the, pod- the podcast. But that is, not his, uh, <laughs> that is not his intro. But I, I just had to get that out in the first place because um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just full of absolute joy. I'm in the John Hume war room. It is disheveled. The table looks like my brain. It's scrambled. There's empty glasses all over the place. There's weed crumbs. There's fucking Rizzlas on the table. There's bills. There's mayhem going on in the house here. And there's even cigarettes stuff up there. That doesn't belong to me. That belongs to the only funny German. And um, calculators and scissors and mouses to indicate that there's stuff happening. Whether it's bringing me forward, I don't know. It Sometimes I think it might be fucking pulling me back. Um, but it, like if I had to get rid of something there, probably the, the mouse because the weed is going nowhere and that is a fact. Um, my emotions, I'm so, I'm very emotional this week. I'm extremely emotional this week and um, I'm like, I'm feeling all, I'm feeling all the vibes to get a little bit woke and like my guest this week now is probably one of the wokest people you'll ever meet. Um, <laughs> so he'll be putting me back in my box but uh I'm just, uh, yeah, I just, I'm just, I'm so happy that this day has arrived and uh, that I'm sitting here in my own house with my uncle and uh, we're about to do, we're about to do our podcast. So without further ado, I'm going to bring this week's guest onto the stage. Um, What can I say about him? Uh, He saved my life is all I could really say if I'm being totally honest. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get into it and we're going to get into it deep Welcome to the stage, the magical, the mystical, the extremely good-looking Caesar Caesar, the woman pleaser, Michael Sullivan. Haven't heard that one in a while. <laughs> but that was your nickname, wasn't it? Good. Caesar was the nickname, yeah. Uh, but it's good to be here, Con. I can't believe I'm in the John Hume war room. For all you listeners out there that have wished you could get here, I'm actually here. And you know what? It looks like somebody set off a couple of grenades in here, so it's <laughs> a, a fit, it's a fitting name. <laughs> but it's a, br- a brilliant spot, yeah. and we're having a beautiful day in Tech or in Texas, <laughs> in Kilavallen. In Kilavallen, just outside the metropolis of Mallow. That's it, brother. That's it. 
uh, I collected you this morning and we came back up we came over the Nagel Mountains and we we were up high we stopped in the car and we could see the Golden Vale we could see the Galti Mountains we could see the Ballyhora Mountains I've often talked about them on the podcast and absolutely uh, beautiful beautiful scenery yeah yeah from days of from days of yore Mike I want to get into it um, like you're my uncle how what age are you uh, 61 60 no, so 61 this year but I just turned 60 in December so yeah okay so your sweet sweet 60 have you ever been kissed I'd say you have have you I've had a few a few slobbery ones <laughs> a few slobbery kisses <laughs> uh, you're 60 years old you're my uncle I'm 46 so you're 14 when I was born and um, yeah like even though you're my uncle I always kind of felt like you're almost like an older brother even though I never had a brother like right. I don't have that uncle vibe off you like the way I have with I kind of have that with um, with, with, with Finbar and I had it with Niall where I felt they were my uncle where I always felt that it was something slightly different with yourself um, and we're going to get into it um, but before we get into it we got to get the dirty business of the trending topics out of the way and, uh, and you have made one request trending topics with Cornelius Patrick O'Sullivan <laughs> And he's Uncle Mike. And he's Uncle Mike. Who's getting a contact high at the moment. Because <laughs> there's a wafting uh, smell of the wacky. Of the wacky back. The Mary Jane. Jesus, I don't know where you're getting that from anyway, Mike. Because it wouldn't be from me. Um, I only as he fires it up again, <laughs> as he sparks it up one more time. Spark it up. Um, hashtag PGA Championship. Yeah, I just this past weekend watched it. and uh, Who won? It was Brooks Kepka, who's actually a live player. He's one of the the guys that defected over to the Saudi tour, the live tour. Oh, were, were they all in that tournament? Well, the, the, the PGA has allowed the big guys to play in the in the ma- in the the four majors, the Masters, the PGA, the U.S. Open, and the British Open. So the guys that did defect over to the live tour actually get exemptions to play in on the the big four, the the four majors. On the PGA Tour, which is kind of a little bit off key, and my wife now would talk better about this because she absolutely hates the Live Tour. She calls them all a bunch of renegade bastards. Yeah, they went for the money though, didn't they? Oh, they did. So they got ton. They got paid up front, and the the work is a lot less. They don't have as many tournaments to play, and they only play three day tournaments instead of four day tournaments on the PGA. So, but they got. Some of them got uh, close to hundred million, or more than that dollar, just to sign up for them. Jesus, be hard to say no to that, don't we? Oh, it is, yeah. Do you know well, what would you be getting if you were playing in the PGA tour? If you were Rory now, like, oh, you'd be well paid. Yeah, you'd still you still come out fifty million a year at least, I'd say. And these guys were getting a hundred just to sign on. Just to sign on. Oh, two years pay, but like, so it, it's actually is it bad for the game of golf? So that the live guys won. Well. Actually, it it isn't, but it 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 makes for better viewing, and you know there's yeah. more controversy about it, more drama, a little bit of drama, mm. which I don't mind it because in, in my own opinion, I would say the more golf you can have with the big dogs playing, the better it is to watch anyway. Like, yeah, and, and I'm I'm pretty ignorant with golf, but I have heard and watched a small bit about lived. Are they purporting to try and change golf then, make it kind of shorter? 
like like uh, they were saying that's going on for too long, you know, and like try and make the games two hours long instead of four hour long. Yes, so yes. Is that was some of their plans or something like that? It is. And traditionalists are obviously up in arms with that. Like. Yeah, and, and that's with any sport. You've got the old school people who don't like any change. And you've got an even like when they were purporting to do the Super League, you know, in Europe for mm. the soccer. In my mind, it was like, geez, I'd love to see Barcelona take on, you know, Madrid or, or freaking uh, any other. I, I think the more for the consumer, the average consumer, the more you can. The better the games. The better games, the, the better it is, you know, for yeah. the. Well, like, uh, I get that. And especially with GA as well. If you look at, like, like I'm huge fan of Gaelic football but there's like three good games every year the two semi-finals and the other right so like you're looking at you know there's four there that's four teams you know and there m- you might be able to add in another f- maybe two or four more teams that are capable you prefer to see them playing competitive matches all the time as opposed right. to like like Cork playing fucking Watford and beating them by 25 points it's just you know it's, it's silly so I do get that point but um, it's it, that the Super League is all about it, like I do think the Super League and the soccer would um, I think it would ruin the I, I think it would ruin the heart of what, or what's left of the heart of soccer because that is pure monetary we were talking you and me oh were talking yeah. about Cowboys there beforehand the Dallas Cowboys and um, you were saying can you explain because I'm telling you I'm watching the, the documentary now Hard Knocks Hard yeah. Knocks great and I've only started and it's great but the, you were saying how much is it to, to go to a Cowboys game now you were breaking it down for if me? If you were taking a family of four, we'd say you had two, two kids and yourself and a wife, you're probably going to drop $1,500, $2,000 just for the one game day. For parking alone is 100 bucks just to park the car. Yeah. And then, you know, you're talking four tickets, probably 250 300 bucks a pop. And then you got beer. If you have a beer or a bite to eat in there, you could drop another 100 on that easily. And then if you buy a hat or a jersey or... Some merchandise, yeah, it easily adds up. I'd say a, a two grand for a day's t- for a day out of the Cowboy game match, like. is probably the average these days. Whereas I can go across to the field over there now for nothing mm-hmm. and watch Tournafalla kick the shit out of Knocknagree, and uh, there's no hot dogs, I suppose, and get as much enjoyment out of it. I yeah. get as much enjoyment out of it, but like, yeah, I'm not knocking it because I was at that stadium. It's f- and like it's. It's fantastic, but like what I'm saying is, sometimes sport can the, the commercial side of sport kills the heart of it, and I think the heart yeah. is like if you look at the Premier League, the way Leicester won the league a few years ago. Now, the way even Wrexham are coming up, I know it's true. Everyone money's involved at all stages, but like sometimes it can kill the heart of it. But anyway, listen, we'll move on. Hashtag Ferrari. Was that trending? I was trending on Monday. Yeah, Ferrari. I Today is Thursday. I was flying on Monday, so I, I missed a lot of that. What does Ferrari mean to you? Uh, of course, the, the horse and the Italian sports car. Yeah. Uh, we we come from car background, yourself and myself. Yeah. Um, what's your like? What's your abiding memory of 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 cars when you think of the motor trade? Uh, it, you know, I, I was as they say in the states, I was born under the hood. Or yeah. born under the bonnet. I, I grew up washing cars and cleaning cars and moving them back and forth across. So I learned to drive at probably eight years old. Yeah. Um, but the cars to me are, you know, it's a big legacy. And 
Yeah. But it's sports cars, I guess, and I, I was a big uh, watching the race, and NASCAR is a big sport in the States that I watch a lot. Do you remember going to the NASCAR rally with me when we were in Texas? I do. That was actually an F1 race. Uh, what was, was the name of the girl driver that day? Danica Patrick. Yeah. yeah. She used to drive NASCAR as well, but she did boat sports. She did open wheel, which is the Ferrari, or the F1-style cars. Yeah. And she did the NASCAR as well. Yeah. She GoDaddy was her sponsor, which is an internet. GoDaddy. GoDaddy. Uh, well, I remember watching that and thinking that I'd be bored, stiff. Um, but we put on the earphones and we were able to hear what they were saying inside in the, right. the, the, the cockpit and stuff like that. It turned it into like almost a, v- a virtual reality gig for a finish. Uh, it was brilliant. Um, and the last trending topic, Michael, is Greta Thunberg. She was trending on Monday when I was doing the notes for this oh podcast. For God's sake. I said, I know you're a big fan of Greta. Greta Thunberg. Greta Thunberg. What's, what's your opinion of Greta Thunberg? What no. she stands for? Are you down with that kind of stuff? No. I think it's totally... Whoever put her out in front of the stage to wag her finger at all the, the war leaders should be brought up for child abuse. So what kind of a... Controversial. Yeah, but she... What, what, what kind of knowledge would she have in her brain? Well, she's only 16 or 17 when they put her out there. Yeah. I mean, I don't think her brain is even fully formed at that point. So how is she... And then she's out there wagging her finger and... You know, I think some of the points that she's making are, you know, potentially have, um, you know, have merited them. No, I, I'm done with all this act- activism class and the activist class. Yeah. I actually am so fed up with it. Do you think acti- activism works? Uh, it doesn't work with me. Mm. Uh, I'm sure it works in some instances, but I actually think it does more harm than good because... The minute I see somebody like that step up, I'm automatically on the back foot going, I what the f- <laughs> I have n- absolutely no interest in a kid telling me. Yeah, it is. Uh, I suppose that's a good point. I suppose, like, I would be on the Greta Thunberg side of things, definitely. Um, uh, but I am definitely not knowledgeable enough to, 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 to debate the fact, so I won't. But... Um, that is one difficult thing is when you're when you're being to- when you're being lectured to by someone who is decades younger than you, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, we'll move on. We're going to get into the nuts and bolts of this week's podcast, Mike. And I've got some questions that I want to ask you, and you can talk for as long or as little on them. And um, they're questions that I know that all our family are going to listen to this podcast. And uh, w- what I've always said about conversations with Cornelius is I, I put it out for everybody to listen to and right. I'm very lucky that people do listen to it and very ha- thankful to anyone who's a patron and but this is my digital diary and what I envisage you know when I'm long gone and when my kids are long gone maybe my grandkids or my great grandkids might be curious on what life was like around here they might be doing a school project this is a fucking a time capsule for them. Yeah, it's a fabulous platform for it. I've heard you talk about that before on the podcast. Uh. Yeah, and I know you've been keen to get on it, and I know you get the the whole thing, uh, the way th- the way it flows. So, with that bearing all that in mind, you just be you, and I'll be me. And okay. yeah, so let's get into it. So um, I just so okay. So like, 
when were you like what year were you born and i want you to describe your childhood up to adolescence you know i know you're say you're 60 so what's that what's 19 yeah i was born in december 18th 1962 62 and into a i was the fourth of seven kids so it was a large family it was three or four boys and three girls one of the boys is gone now of course my older brother Niall passed away a few years ago but still got three brothers three sisters alive and kicking um, growing up I was born in a small town in North Cork Newmarket same as your dad and uh, growing up was actually we, we it was a prominent family in the town being the car dealership and so on and so forth so we we grew up with uh, just about everything we wanted and didn't really need for anything uh, happy childhood happy childhood absolutely brilliant loads of people to play with yeah went to the local national school and uh, always had the best birthday parties because Nana was just amazing top class at that yeah and it was the golden ticket in town if you got invited <laughs> to an O'Sullivan party. That was the golden ticket. You, you were in. You were in. No, nobody, <laughs> nobody turned on an invite to the O'Sullivan house. Yeah, it was. It was always kind of a bit of a party house, though, down through the years. Oh, it was. That was always good for a sing song and whatever occasion the may be thrust was. upon us. We, we were there front and center. And um, you were in school, like so. Where where did you come in in the family? Right in the middle, three above me and three below me. So you're universally loved. Yes, I was a middle child, I guess. Yeah. And who did you look up to? In the family? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say well, your dad John was the older brother, so he was always the the top dog. Was he the top dog? Yeah. But like, where you were. So was like is Finbar your was closest then to your in age? Were you no, it would have been closest Nile. to me. Was, we were only one year. We were like thirteen months apart. Yeah, Irish twins. Yeah, Nana and Granny. And so we were kind of joined at the hip all through childhood. Yeah. So we get in trouble together. <laughs> we'd get we get the accolades together. We could get in trouble together. Yeah. But it was always together. Always together. So Niall was kind of your 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 main squeeze. So kind of, yeah. I suppose, right. Very well, good. your dad John now was, was mad into the GAA. So we had a field beside our house, and we called it O'Sullivan Bearer. <laughs> and we used to have our own hurling matches up there with the the other streets, the town, the streets in the town. Yeah. And each street had a team, and we'd have tournaments in O'Sullivan Bearer. And your dad would be up in a tree with a a seventies tape recorder and a microphone narrating the the game ah fuck and off. here's michael sullivan with the hurling and he's under 45 yes he takes a shot oh it's gone wide what a dipshit <laughs> <laughs> but he was up there and and he'd have it taped on the on the cassette tapes and we'd listen back to it uh go away oh yeah i he never knew that now man. sure he he's he's still the same he um, he's a ga man through and through yes 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 but yeah i remember the tree i can see him sitting in the tree now yeah oh jesus that's, that's with his tape recorder. And what would the girls be doing while this is going on? Carmel and Colette and Caroline. You know what? I have no idea. <laughs> in the house playing with dolls or something. In the house playing with dolls. Do you hear that now, lads? Um, 
Uh, yeah, so my next, <laughs> my next question was how many brothers and sisters? Yeah, but you've just basically answered that question. Um, so what was, your, what was your education like? What was education like in national school? And then where did you go secondary school? National school was uh, just pretty much, what is it, babies, high infants, all the way through 12th class. In the same school, same teacher every day. Um, Did you like school? I was okay with it. I mean, my favorite things were math. Yeah. Or maths, as you say over here, I guess we just... Sums. Si sums. And geography and history kind of were things yeah. I gravitated towards. To the worst I was with languages. Even the English language had, I had trouble with. But Irish especially, I could never get a grasp of my worst subject all the way through. Yeah. Secondary school and Coleman's College and all that stuff. Yeah, so you went to Coleman's. I went to Coleman's for. You, you, we had a I went to Coleman's. My dad went to Coleman's. My uncle Jimmy went to Coleman's, and then yourself and Niall. Then Niall. how did you get on? We weren't. Uh, Sorry, what? We weren't in the best of. Uh, you did the full term, though, did you? No, not at all. Didn't we, you know? we barely got through two years. And what happened? Did you got asked to leave or something? Put the for the first night we were going back that I was starting my very first night we were going over on a Sunday from Newmarket to Formoy and now it would have been starting his second year and it would have been my first year but it was the very first trip for me you know to go to the yeah. where you check in and and we had a bad car accident on the way just outside Newmarket Did he you? head on collision and it I saw it delayed my start in Coleman's for about two three months and now he'll actually miss the whole year, so he had to go back. So we ended up in second year in the same class. Oh, in right. Formoy. We, we were actually in the same classroom. Oh, that's and cool. And we also had were brothers, so we had one of the door. We had our own room. You yeah. Know, instead of, they were called them cells. Cells. And there's a reason for that, because it was a fucking jail. I fucking remember it, man. I was in a cell myself. I did five years boarding there. I must, I've never done a podcast on Coleman's. I definitely want to do one. But talk to me about your experience in Coleman's. I'm fascinated about that now. Like Coleman's is an all-boys boarding school where you went for three weeks at a time and you got home every third weekend just for the weekend. Yeah. They'd, you know, mom would pick up on Friday and dad would drive back on Sunday night. And you would just eat for the whole weekend. That was it. That's what you did. You came home and mom had, uh, you know, your favorite food yeah. there. And, and you just, that's all you did was eat. Was, oh, my God. I, like, because when I did Coleman's, only in first year, it was three weeks. And then they changed it to two weeks until I was in third year. And then by the time I was doing my leaving cert, you could go home every weekend. And it wasn't too bad. Oh. But those, I remember being in first year and staying in there for three weeks. Yeah. And just being ravenous all the time just starving like which was my which of the food was rationed was like <sighs> Oliver can I have more please no yeah, no you can't I mean the breakfast I remember the breakfast if you got Weedabix you got one square one brick of Weedabix yeah and you have to run down to get bread We like if you were fast you'd get bread in our yeah. school, like, and if you weren't if you were small your bread could be just taken off you like by someone that's a couple of years ahead of you um so what what were you, what were you doing that the fact that you were asked not to come back like the shame of the O'Sullivans upon us like well, two pricks yeah we um well we were you know the seventies was a very violent time for teenagers for growing up t as a teenager it was the height of headbanging rock and roll was on and the boot boy phase and punk rock was starting to make uh, inroads and, and you were at the heart of that shit. we were at the heart of that shit <laughs> and. The hassle we, I mean, through Coleman's, I'm sure you, I saw some of the worst fights I've ever seen in my life. It was prison yard stuff. Down the lowers? 
down the lords and even in the you know that bathroom that was in between the old building and the new building and it was kind of open at the top it was it was not enclosed yeah it was open air type stuff and the f- the scraps that went down up there were unbelievable do you know Mike I swear to God when I d- it, it had changed by the time I got to leaving cert but first and second year were violent and I'd say and I, you'd always hear stories from the leaving cert right. about what it was like for them when they were in first year so you're, you kind of had a decade of a thing going on and then like listening to you and listening to my dad it was a violent place oh it was it was you know you had you to have had your wits about you to we survive like, you had to fight to survive mm. You did, like. You did. Like, I, I remember I had, like, three fights, three scraps in, in Coleman's, but they all took place before I was in junior cert. Um, and it kind of, I don't know, they just kind of clamped down on it, but, like, first year, it was mm-hmm. grim, man. So were you fighting a lot, you and Niall? Yeah, well, he, I mean, I w- had it better than Niall because I had a big brother there, and yeah. the guys in my class knew I had a big brother, so that was kind of a no-go area. And Niall wasn't shy coming forward either, so they'd be like, we better leave Mike alone. Yes, yeah. yes, he was He was a security blanket for me. Yeah. So you were you probably the fucking cheeky mountain, you saw? I probably was, instigating a lot of crap. <laughs> but we did have trouble with the townies, you know, you had the, the day students that came yeah. from town up. and uh, Day boys, we used to call them. The day boys, yeah. And anyways, we got in some trouble with the day boys. And, w- you know, they have to have those plays at the end of the year. They do operas or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we were involved in a few of those, but I guess the day boys and their buddies from town got tickets and they came up and they were looking specifically for Niall and myself up from town. And, of course, it got out because they caused a bit of a ruckus and there was a bit of a free-for-all in the, in the, in the, in the, in the arena or whatever it was. <laughs> You were doing a play, the end of year play. Like I did these as well in Cornwall. Yeah, I did like the these Mikado, are artistic now, like Gilbert O'Sullivan Mikado. stuff, Mikado, and the gondoliers we did. Right, and the day boys came in because they were because you had been obviously antagonising them. Right, and a, a scrap happened at the Mikado. Right, is that the reason why you were asked not and to go yes, back? Yes, yes, yeah, that was one of the big reasons because we, it was <laughs> they they put their investigators on it. They 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 you know went through all the files and figured out it was your Sullivan's that were the reason that these fuckers came up <laughs> and <it> disrupted <laughs> the, the, the occasion oh for fuck's sake so I then after that I went to Borbui comprehensive school which is just it was a day school that suited you better yes and it was kind of there was a couple other guys that I met back there who went to different you know like similar St. Coleman's College there was a couple other ones around LaSalle and yeah and there was a couple of guys that got kicked out of their ones, and we were very similar. So it was kind of like all Four the we was for the fucking all the misfits got put. To <laughs> it was Bohar kind of Bui. like a jail. Yeah, like it was like you're you're going to get if you don't behave yourself, you're going to Borbui. We're in the halfway house. In <laughs> the halfway house is what it was. Uh, and you did did you finish your education, or did you didn't you dropped out? Didn't you I to go working or something? Did the enter cert as it was called back then, which is it's a different name now, I believe. Yeah, it's the junior search. Junior search. Anyway. And then I did the one, the fourth year after that, but I didn't go through fifth, didn't go through leaving cert. Yeah. Did you go working? I went working for the family business, the car dealership. So um, at the time, were we main dealers? Were we Nissan main dealers then? Datsun? Mm, yeah, Datsun at the time. Yeah. So Datsun, so just for context there for any listeners, um, uh, my grandfather, God rest his soul, had a garage and they were main dealer for Datsun, which turned into Nissan. Uh, and then eventually we went to Rover, and then we did Citroen and Mitsubishi, and a few bits and pieces like that. But it kept it was kept going for years afterwards. But it was really in its heyday. 
then though, wasn't it? It was in, yeah, in the late 70s, early 80s. Yeah. And you know how it started? It started with my granddad, which Jack. is Jack. It was Jack Sullivan, which he started back in the horse and cart days. Talk to he, us about that. He used to um, like service or, or build the carts, you know, because they, they had proper axles on them, wheels. And you just have the cart sitting on top of that and the horse pulling it in the front. Yeah. But that's how we evolved into a car business. From the horse and cart. From the horse and cart. And d- d- up the back of the, the, the garage, there's a bunch of outhouses kind of thing. There actually used to be stables for the horses, but they became catch-alls, I remember catch-alls for the, for for parts, the spare parts yeah. and second-hand parts. Is that what's what they were for? They were, they were horse stables back in the day. Fuck off. Yeah. I, <coughs> Jesus. Uh, like, that's all gone now. All that's all yeah. cleared oh, out. But I remember right. those. And I remember going up... Playing hide and seek as a kid, and the washing line was on the side, yes, over by the yeah. left. And they they were stables. They were horse stables for the fucking hell. That's while the carts were in for service or in for greasing or whatever. So then Jack had our granddad, and then he he went and to Newmarket. Then in, during the war, after the war, WW two, the um, there was a taxi service, a hackney service in in Newmarket, one car for the whole. You know, Duhalla region, I guess. <coughs> and we became the service garage for that one car. And then it went from horse and car to the 1940s type car. And then then evolved into a Ford dealership where we did, you know, Anglias and freaking yeah. Escorts Jesus. and Cortinas and all that stuff back then. <coughs> Is that am I blowing smoke into your face there now? I yeah, need to do that. Um, but I, I didn't. I never. I never factored in the evolution of how it, how it, how it went. That's very fast. That's fascinating. Um, and then the seventies, as you said, the late seventies and the early eighties, the garage grew to be a main dealership and was you know with, with some renown around the around the area would would have been very and and granddad would have been very respected pillars of the community. Yes, and. Um, Big family in town, and you and know, all all of us kind of worked in the car shop. I I migrated towards the uh, the sort of the spare parts, the stores department, or yeah, the parts department, I guess, or whatever it was. You all kind and of had different departments. And then. the warranty, I did. I did a lot of the warranty work. I remember Niall driving the transporter. Yes, you had the car transporter, five car transporter that he drove up and down to Dublin a lot. Yeah, picking up cars, and he used to do it for other dealers as well. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse. Um, so what was that like? So you're working there. You're you're after leaving school. Um, you're gone into the garage, which is a very normal thing to do at that time as well. Oh, People yeah. just left and went into family businesses all the time. It was like, um, and you 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 were in there. When did you kind of? When did you kind of think? I want to get out of this fucking small town. Well, you know, I always grew up with a fascination for the states, because you know, in the seventies we all had. Uh, you had all the cop shows, or you know the Mannix and Hawaii Five O, and yeah. Simon and Simon, and all all. The and I had a fascination with the American cars too, we all, because we always got the the books where you could flip through the pages and you see the Oldsmobiles and the Cadillacs and the Chryslers and yeah, they were just. Of course, we'd see all those as well. With it the was manuals. fantasy world for me, you know. Yeah, so it had a, there was a niche at the back of your there was brain. And when did you decide, what, like, what made you decide, fuck, I'm going to do this? Well, I had a f- friend I went to school with, his name was Walter Aylert, and he, they were Canadians, but they had come back to Ireland, 
and I went to school with him for a couple of years and after Bohorbui he went to Canada for a year just to go back and he went back to work and when he came back in 1980 I said I was 1980 he was trying to talk me into going with him to Canada yeah and I kind of said you know why not so I went and got my passport and all the papers taken care of <coughs> and then and uh, in the interim he's dad had bought a, a news agent sh- store in Buttevant oh and <laughs> I know it. And wanted Walter to to be part of it or run it, so that kind of fell through with our plans of going back to Canada. But I had the itch, you know, I had the bug at this point. Yeah. And I was talking with another friend, Derry Graney, who's Agnes was Niall's wife. Yeah. Uh, Derry was Agnes's brother. Yeah. And uh, he says, yeah, but I don't want to go to Canada. I said, I don't care. Where do you want to go? The States. And I said, that's where I want to go in the first place. (laughs) (laughs) So let's do it. And he got his paper sorted out and... And was it easy? Was it easy to get the paper sorted out back it, then? Like it wasn't that difficult. I don't remember any. But did you just go over? Uh, like you, you were kind of a bit of a ball boy, were you? You didn't go over with a proper visa, like you just. No, I, I had a proper six month. Oh, had you vacation visa, and I had a stamp and a whole the whole visa thing on the passport and the whole lot. But you didn't come back after the six months. No, I yeah. overstayed my visa. By f- so I, beca- years. I became a, an illegal alien, I guess, at one point at for one a point. while. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that. I, I, I want to ask you, this is the last question of before you left Newmarket now, before you left Ireland, and we'll get on to the, the state side of the podcast then. The night before you went, can you remember Can you remember saying it to your... Can you remember when you told Grandad that you weren't? Because I'd imagine that he would have had plans for you and, you know, the family business, and it was all going well, and, uh, like... I think that's a natural kind of thing. Was he yeah, disappointed? No, no, and he knew well before the last day, you know, but he actually was encouraging because he, most of his generation had gone to the States and he was the one who was left at home and so he was very encouraging about going to it and he wanted me to more or less call him every day and tell him what I'm seeing and what I'm experiencing. He yeah. wanted, he was living it through me, you know, he wanted Go to... Go away. Yeah, oh, yeah. He loved the States. He had a real soft spot for yeah. the, and the cars and the stuff and... Yeah. And would you ring home often when you went over? I, you know, back then, you only landline, so. Yeah. And it was a hefty charge. And yeah. So a lot of it was reverse the charges, all right, or <laughs> collect calls, as I say. Yeah. But so it would only be, I'd say, once every couple of months, maybe. Yeah. Or maybe even more than that. Um, the the saying goodbye to your brothers and sisters. But you see, did you think you were only going for six months, or did you know at the back of your head, I'm no, never I coming back it's here? It's kind of ironic, no, but you know, did like your dad's generation, a bunch of his guys buddies left and went to the states, yeah, and never came back, and it was always puzzling to me that you know because Newmarket was like to me, Newmarket and Ireland were synonymous. Newmarket was Ireland, Ireland was Newmarket. Yeah, the way you're in a kid's eyes, you're thinking that that's the whole world, and there was. There was no difference between the words. Yeah. And uh, I couldn't understand how these guys that went to the States and never came home. Why wouldn't you come home to the market, lad? And why would, yes, exactly. I mean why are you going to be missing all the crack? <laughs> Cut the scans of a few pints. And then I suddenly was four years in the States going, geez, I am one of those people. Yeah. I have become one of those people. Yeah. Never came back. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, so we're kind of halfway through now. If you want to take a break, we can take a break. Or if you're happy to motor on. Before I got on the plane, spent in just to finish that one up, uh, Dad took me and Derry Graney down to the Shannon Airport. And we stopped at Dirty Nellies. 
and had a pint at 10 o'clock in the morning, which set up my next 40 years in the States of having pints <laughs> at 10 o'clock in the morning. My dad taught me this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, it only makes sense. <laughs> do you want to take a break? Are you happy to, to, to plow up to motor on? Or do you, would you like to have a little break? Uh, we can mo- we'll go on. We'll motor on. We'll motor on, so. Okay, let, okay let's have All a... Right. Let, we'll, we'll take a pause there, so for two seconds.